Welcome to the Breaking Chains podcast, where we are breaking free from the chains of our past and rising to lead extraordinary lives. I believe it's time we ditch the rules of this world that are keeping us enslaved in the grind, playing from behind, and instead opt in to a conscious and strategic upgrade, one that is founded in timeless principles that can only be accessed through the power of the heart. So if you've been craving deeper, more meaningful relationships, vibrant bodies full of life force and true prosperity in all arenas, this podcast is for you. My name is Christine Jewell. I'm a high performance coach and faith-based mentor, and together we will awaken the king or queen you are destined to be so you can experience the fullness of life that's waiting for you. Let's dive in. All right, welcome back to the show. It's Christine Jewell, and I am so glad to be here with you guys. Listen, I have got a show for you today. I have got a show for you today. So strap your seatbelt on if you're ready for some good old story time. If you are somebody who's been craving deeper, more meaningful love, more intimacy, more connection, more trust, more closeness, more oneness with your husband, your wife, your partner, maybe you don't have someone in your life and you're just like, I know God has that person for me. Like, I know I feel it in my bones, but I just keep failing at relationships. Like I suck at relationships. This show, today's episode is for you. And uh, I heard that recently from someone, a, a man that I, you know, had been working with for a while. And he just said, you know, Christine, I think I'm just bad at relationships. I think I just don't know how to do, I just, I'm not cut out for him. And I was like, oh, <laughs> been there. I wait till I tell you my story. We are all created for relationship. We are all designed for relationship. It is the core of our very being, our very essence. You know, in the beginning when God created man, it was for relationship. It was for intimacy so that they could walk together. They could partner together. It was the deepest desire. We have a hole, right? A shape, uh, a God shaped hole inside of our soul that was designed to be filled by that core relationship. And then what God said, it's not good for man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone, even though God was with him in the spirit. And, uh, he gave him Eve, right? He gave him Eve, uh, so that she would be his helper, his partner, his, his strength, his, not only his companion, but really that one that would multiply him and he would multiply her. And they together, when they became one, they would multiply and fill the earth, right? And not just physically with things, but emotionally and everything else. So we are designed for relationship. We are hardwired for intimacy, softwired for intimacy. You guys have heard me say that over and over again. And I want to share today, I want to, as I dive into this series, I really am shedding my heart <laughs> to those of you who are listening. Uh, I, w I really felt strongly that I needed to do this series of stories of my own life because it's so easy to be up here and teaching and sharing, but man, we have walked through the fire. I've walked through the fire, you guys. So today I'm going to, I'm going to share the story of a woman, a little girl, a teenager, uh, a t you know, 20 something year old you know, who was a confused lover. This is the story of the confused lover. This is the story of moving from a life of affairs and promiscuity to real love, to real safety, to real oneness, moving from a life of isolation and desperate loneliness to really walking in intimacy, like feeling so held and supported. Um, and I just want to start before I dive in is that, you know, and I'm going to, I'm going to start with this and I'm going to end with this, how we love 
How we love is learned. Love is a state of being. It's just a, it just is. But how we do the act of love, how we perform, how we engage, you know, what we think about it is it's caught and it's observed by how we're treated as, as a little girl, you know, that first love affair is a love affair with your daddy, right? The little boy, it's like with mommy, right? Like, I just love mommy. I remember Grace would say, I'm going to marry you mommy one day, right? Like little boys love their mommy. Little girls love their daddy. It's such a delicate relationship that starts to set the imprints for, for longer term intimate relationships. That's why our, our intimate relationships often mirror, they mirror those first relationships we had with our mom, with our dad, with our primary caregivers. So how we love was learned. It was caught. It was observed. It was experienced by how we were treated, by how our father treated our mother, by how we saw dad speaking to mom, touching mom, respecting mom, holding her or not, right? Did, did he have an air of respect? Did he cherish her or did he just trample and walk all over her and treat her like garbage? Or did he really honor her as a woman? We watched mom. How did she treat dad? Right? Like, how did she treat dad? Um, did she respect and honor him? Did they work together in tandem? Did she see him through the eyes of love? Right? Was she kind to him or was she always paper cutting him and avoiding him and nagging him or terrified of him? So we see mom treat dad a certain way. We see dad treat mom a certain way. And we're watching as a little girl, watching mom, like mom is showing me how to be a woman, right? Mom is showing me how, what it means to be a woman. Dad is showing you what it means to be a man. And so we have all this imprinting. And so, wow, the beautiful thing is that we know that our, our psyche, right? We have this neuroplasticity. Our, our neural pathways can be reshaped. They can be rewritten. We can have new memories, new stories, new mindsets, new beliefs, new identities. We can, we can adopt new ways of thinking just because it was printed in there. Doesn't mean it has to stay there. We want to, we want to honor the good. We want to honor. I don't even want to say good or bad, but we want to honor the things that are an in integrity uh, with, our, with the values that we hold, with the vision we see, with the truth that we know, the God's truth for marriage, for a husband and wife, for love. And we want to release the lies. So I'm going to just dive right in, but I wanted to start with that. And I'm going to be circling back to that because again, as I share my story, remember, it is not just my story, it's your story. I want to know if you see yourself in any of this. I'm going to be raw and real with you guys. So in the last episode, I shared how the warrior was born, right? Our family of origin. Uh, I, I was a, I was very playful and adventurous and all that stuff too, but I went through a lot of things. You guys can go back and listen to that where the warrior really began to shape. And I would say that in high school, I was like totally learning at that point that women cannot be trusted, right? Like girls at that age, we're just catty. We're catty. It's, it's like scrapping for attention, scrapping to be who's the most beautiful one. There's all this popularity contest and all that garbage that comes with being in high school. And on top of it at home, I was watching, you know, my dad have these affairs with these women, his addiction to sex or porn and what was going on and the distorted relationship between him and my mom. And so I just thought women were there. They were going to abuse. They were going to steal. They were going to, you know, try to take what was yours. They were there to tear families apart. Women couldn't be trusted. And so I just really was like, I, I had 
acquaintances that were female, but I was that girl that like had all the male friends, right? And it was funny because even though I, I, my dad was the one cheating, I developed this image of the feminine. And I want to say that at the same time that this was taking shape, I also started to really believe you can't trust men either. Men, all men are going to cheat. They're just like, so you got to, you got to toy with them. You got to control them and manipulate them so that they don't control and manipulate you. Right. You, but you got to know how to play the game so that they don't use you as a game. So I was in that space of, I will never be taken advantage of. I will never be left. I will never be abused. I will never be trampled on, embarrassed, all of that stuff. So what did I become? I became class flirt, right? I had all this charisma. I still have it as a God gift, but I was misusing my gift, right? I had a lot of light. I've always had a lot of light. But what happens is I was manipulating the gift to get control, to get power, to feel a sense of control and feel a sense of power. And you know, it's intoxicating, right? It's intoxicating when you can manipulate the atmosphere to get the attention and the affection and the compliments and get boys chasing you and boys fighting over you and all that, whatever. So I hate to admit it, but I'm just going to put it out there that my title in a class of 600 was class flirt when I graduated high school, because I had learned how to pull the puppet strings and, uh, that same spirit of manipulation of control of love, not really understanding truly how to respect and honor, not only another person, but myself, I thought I was in control. I thought I was manipulating the situation, but really what I had done is I had no sense of honoring myself. And so I was very flirtatious. I was very, you know, way too friendly. I had an amazing boyfriend at the time who just, oh, he took such good care of me. And even to this day, I'm like, man, Hunter, I want to apologize because my first episode of me cheating on my boyfriend happened in high school. And, you know, he had graduated already. And I was like, you know, you start to panic, we start to panic and you start getting all this attention and things are volatile at home. And you're, you're, you know, having such a dysfunctional relationship with the masculine, you're grasping to figure out who you are as a woman. And you want to make sure that you are not going to get left behind for another woman. Okay. Like that is the number one priority. So what did I develop? I developed a pattern that started in my very, very first relationships that I'll leave you before you even get a chance to think about leaving me. I'll cheat on you and just jump to the next relationship before you even have a chance to think about doing this to me. And man, I am not proud of the way I showed up back then. I was always very friendly. I was always very gregarious and, you know, in the crowds and stuff. But the operating system that was running was so dysfunctional around love. So on the outside, miss most spirited class flirt, right? And I left those of you who listened to the last episode, you know, that when I was 17, our home got foreclosed on out of the, like, it was just like, boom, overnight, right? They're coming in, they're taking the furniture, like the house is getting emptied. My dad loses his job. The next thing I know, I'm like, we're, we're getting kicked out of the house. Like my mom is totally distraught. She has been a stay at home mom for ever since we moved to the States, we moved to the States from Italy. So she hadn't been working. We're basically like, boom, right out on the street. So here I am 17 out of the house, living in my own place, 
And right away, I'm just like, what do you do? You latch on to a man, right? I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to make my own money. I'm going to make my own car. And I had my own place. I had my own car and I had everything, but I was just like, shoot, that anxious attachment <laughs> of like, Ugh, I can't be alone. It was such a anxious relationship with men that I needed to have one to control, to have some sense of safety, but then also would never let anybody get close enough to me. And I would hurt them before they got a chance to get close. So we, we had this like pendulum swing between attachment, anxious attachment and totally just being able to go ice queen, stone cold. So I would say I went into the, I went into full on fireball cowgirl phase, you know, and, and a lot of us went through something similar like that, you know, university or early twenties, whatever. But I was just I was dancing. I was just hopping from one relationship to the next, to the next, to the next. It was like one of, one of the girls that I used to, one of my old friends called it a serial monogamist, except for the reality is I wasn't ever monogamous, right? I was in a relationship, but I was always one foot in with my ex and one foot in with maybe who was going to show up next. And maybe the person that I was with got part of me, but I made sure that I had a front door, a back door, a side door, and I kept a lot of gates open because you know what? I wanted to keep my options open. And so anytime there was turmoil, anytime a man didn't act the way I wanted him to or show up the way I, he wanted, boom, he was out the door faster than he could blink. And I was on to the next one, man. I was like, eating men. I was like eating them up and spitting them out. I can't, you know, I'm just going to like be totally honest here because I think that we need to see that there's a lot of us listening to this that we're like, man, if I could go back, I would do things so differently. Knowing what I know now, I did not realize the sacredness of sex. I did not even know or understand the concept that my body was not my own, that it was bought for a price, that when you enter into sexual agreements, you start creating soul ties with people and it. You just invite all sorts of turmoil into your life. So this really became a season of just desperation and clinging and partying. And, you know, I was working full time and I was going through university and I was really on a rampage to make sure that I could support myself and have everything I needed and wanted. I did not want to feel the sting of the loss, the physical loss of our home, the physical loss of my father. At this season of my life, I wasn't speaking to him, you know, I was speaking to him on and off, but he would disappear for months at a time and sometimes a year at a time. And I was often having to go pull him out of really horrible situations, bar fights, jail, you know, go drive up to the jail and pick him up. And I mean, crack houses, like he would call me and I would have to go in. And so I was on one hand, you know, hating this man, the other hand, having, trying desperately to keep rescuing him. So much confusion, so much confusion in my relationship with the masculine right? It's like love, hate, love, hate, love, hate. And so I continued with that love, hate relationship with these men, these boys, these young men in my life. And some of them were the sweetest guys, but I was that girl that would just, you know, use, manipulate, do what I needed to do so that I could feel safe, do what I needed to do so that I could feel loved for the moment. So I could get that instant need met, but never, understood how to respect, how to cherish, how to do any of that. 
And I, I don't think a lot of us learn, right? A lot of us are in that stage really selfishly, like just we're in it for me, right? And so I was really promiscuous through my early, um, my late teens, my early 20s. And I went from this cowgirl, literally to desperate housewife. <laughs> uh, I met my husband, my first husband, when I was 21, I met my first husband, he was 10 years older than me. And I, I met this man. And so after being on my own for four years and basically being around and around and around, I was like, I am tired. I need a real man. You know, <laughs> I thought I had it all figured out. I'm going to get myself a real man, like somebody who's good husband material, you know? So here comes this guy who's 31 and he's got a Land Rover and he owns an advertising agency and he comes from Canada and, you know, he's selling me this whole bag of program of how he's like super adventurous and he's got his stuff together and he comes from this amazing family. And I saw that man through my big, thick, rose-colored glasses, right? As we often do. We look at someone and we see what we are desperately wanting to see. I desperately wanted a way out of that old life. I desperately wanted to just be able to relax and you know, have that image come true. I always had the image that I was going to be married and have a house with a white picket fence. And uh, at the time we lived in Orlando. So there's this place called Winter Park. And it's just like, you know, all the houses, it's like kind of a weird show where all the houses look really pretty and put together. It's kind of like a fake bubble. Well, I always had a vision that I'm going to have the perfect house and the perfect marriage. And here comes this man. And long story short, I end up getting head of like, boom, you know, it's hot and heavy, just like I did everything. Cause that's what anxious attachment does. They just, they just suck up right, right into the relationship. They cling, they attach and the relationship becomes your world. And again, I want to share this with those of you that are listening, because these are all survival mechanisms. These are learned behaviors. They are trauma responses. They are These are coping mechanisms to deal with, you know, try to survive the situation. It also is because these have become your emotional home. Um, so you have no concept, I no concept of what, is this even a healthy relationship? Like, is this man for real? He's 10 years older than me. I mean, he was going through a divorce at the time and it was rough. He was going through a really rough, nasty divorce. It was a horrible legal battle. It, it, I mean, there was all kinds of things involved in that. And I couldn't see, there were so many red flags, but I couldn't see them because I saw what I wanted to see. And so two years later, I'm married. Two years later, I've got my first child on the way, Bailey, you know, and there were so many red flags leading up to that marriage. That's why today I talk about like, if there is a red flag, you got to know your red flags. You got to know your orange flags. There were so many red flags. I had no business getting married at that age, you know, but I did out of desperation. And you know what I became? A desperate housewife. I ended up going into a 10 year marriage where, and this is not to knock my ex-husband at all. You know, we have three beautiful children today because of that, but we just started to create such a fake life where we never left and cleave to one another. We did not understand how to love. There was both so much trauma and drama on either side. There was control issues from the extended family. And, you know, as the years progressed, I poured my heart and soul into the vision, his vision, 
he had two kids from a previous marriage. Then we had three children on our own and I was on the two-year plan. You know, I was popping out babies every two years. We started a company in Florida that took off and ended up taking us to, to Canada. And, you know, we, we got into this neighborhood way over our head. We were trying to fit in with the Joneses. We were pouring money. We were just living so upside down under mountains of debt, trying to pretend we were pretenders. We were trying to keep up putting the you know, $100,000 pool and a couple hundred thousand dollars of landscaping and then always, always struggling, right? Robbing Peter to pay Paul. And it was such a facade. Everything about that season of my life, not everything, a good chunk of it was inauthentic. Inside, there was so, we were like married on quicksand. There was no structure holding the relationship up. We, again, had a lot of external controls. There was a lot of fear around the external family coming from a lot of wealth. And I came to find out that during that marriage, there was, again, issues around sex, issues around pornography. There was issues around just betrayal. And I started to just feel like I was losing myself. I felt like I was losing myself. I was staying at home with the kids, helping grow the business. My husband was traveling sometimes for five days at a time, coming home on the weekends, another five days with these young girls. And I grew angry and I grew resentful and I was alone at home with all the, you know, with all the kids. And we were not on the same page. We were not on the same page in, you know, we didn't have that firm foundation holding us. And we got to the point where there was so much dissension and division and he had his own issues. I don't want to say anything about him on, on the show, but he had his own issues. And I got to the point where I was so desperate in that relationship and looking for a way out that I was open and I was vulnerable and I was susceptible. And, you know, I ended up having an affair to end that marriage with someone who was very close to the family very close friend of his who came around, saw me, you know, needing help, saw me distraught and just was always there, always there to help, always there to help with the kids, always there to help with the house. And you know, guys, if you're listening, you know, women, we need to pay attention because we long for connection. We long for that. But you know, we are, we're not, um, what are, I don't know the word I'm looking for. What is the word that's escaping me? Like we're just as guilty right? We've got to guard our hearts. We've got to learn how to speak up for what really matters. We have to learn how to honor and cherish ourselves. I had no clue. I was just nagging and begging and angry and couldn't communicate. We didn't have any communication. So here I am and I have an affair and I'm sure there were many affairs through that course of the marriage on the other side that I didn't know uh, based on the lifestyle that was going on. But that 10-year marriage, I had three young babies at the time and it was just like, one little pin in my glass castle and the whole thing came shattering down. You want to talk about embarrassing, you know, like it was just a nasty divorce. <laughs> it was just a nasty divorce. The kids saw us fighting. They, they were part of the front row seat of all the drama and all the trauma. And there was been so much cleaning up to do you guys. So much cleaning up to do. Right. And the thing is after that 10 year cycle and I was alone and I'm going to share some other stories. That was my first hit of loss. You know, my thirties, it was like desperate housewife season, right? I'm just like in there with all the ladies in the neighborhood. We're all complaining about our husbands where everybody's kind of going through the same thing. It was so interesting that after I left, um, I ended up leaving, uh, the home and 
it was like a ripple effect, a domino effect in the neighborhood. I think there was five divorces within one or two years right after ours. It breaks my heart. You know, like there's so much brokenness. There's so many things happening inside the walls of these people's homes and everybody's out there pretending, socializing, we're having drinks, we're, we're just one-upping each other and just trying to put on a show for each other instead of talking about what's really going on. It's all BS. So I, I entered into another season, right? Now I'm in my thirties. I'm always on the two year plan. So I'm 23, getting married, 25, 27, 29, had my beautiful children, 31, the whole thing falls apart. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Right? Like, what am I going to do? Um, and you know, we tried to, I tried to even like have this relationship with this person that I had an affair with, but you know, that thing is like crumbles and creates such a hot mess that went nowhere fast. And it just dissipated. God will never bless a relationship that starts like that. So I, I cycled and I was on my own for a bit, but not very long because the same program was running. I did not take the time to heal fully. So, you know, my thirties was about fierce independence. Again, I'm going to fight. And I recycled back to that earlier program of, you know what, I'm going to fight. I'm going to get into a relationship, but I'm going to look out for me. It's going to be number one. And so I entered into an eight year cycle, another long-term relationship with a man. And I've talked about that relationship many times because it was volatile, volatile, up, down, emotional roller coaster, same patterns, anxious attachment, avoidant attachment, two fiercely independent people with abandonment wounds getting together in this awesome trauma bond and desperately wanting to have like some sort of love and affection and also terrified of intimacy. I'm going to tell you how that works. It doesn't, right? So much pride that nobody is going to screw me over. Nobody's going to, it was always like competition, a scoreboard. Well, I'm, I'll do this when you do that. And so for eight more years, you guys, eight more years, I cycled through another relationship, feeling desperately alone, grasping for some sense of security. Like, are we going to get married? When are we going to be together? When are we going to move in the same house? When? And we both had businesses in the same town. And from the outside, again, we're super athletic. We're both business owners, like, right. But we were like two tornadoes every time we got together, colliding, 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 because we did not resolve the issues that we had from the first time around, which were issues from our childhood, we just kept recycling it like cyclones through our own home. Our children were exposed to it. And so for eight more years, you know, my kids were exposed to watching dysfunctional relationships, right? Disrespectful communication, sarcasm as a mode of communication, uh, fighting, uh, no conflict resolution, no idea how to communicate effectively. Talk about the confusion, the seeds of confusion that we planted. And I look back and I'm like, thank you God for like restoring everything. And I've had to go through massive seasons of healing and recovery and restoration. And there was a lot of good. Okay. There was a lot of good moments in there. The kids and I had some beautiful, beautiful moments and memories and we had a beautiful home and stuff, but you can have the most beautiful house and you can go on the most amazing trips, but at the core, everybody just wants to feel safe, emotionally safe. They want to see healthy love around them. And I'm going to tell you guys, it was something that my kids did not have an opportunity to see because I never saw it. And I did not understand that I kept 
grabbing onto that generational baton and I just was replaying out the same story. That now I had gone out through one divorce publicly that almost nearly destroyed me emotionally and financially. In fact, my first husband said to me, and I know I'm hopping a little bit all over the place, but I remember my first husband when we got divorced saying, I'm going to emotionally and financially destroy you. And that was the moment where I decided to release the fight around the finances and really double down on my physical health, my emotional health, and make sure that I was good. I want to say this, it's a little interjection. I took a lot of time and focus and energy to work on my physical health and my, my mental health. So I did that one really well. I was training at the time a lot. I was a personal trainer. I was a nutritionist. I was a coach. I was training for world championships. I was coaching clients athletically. So thank the good Lord that I had that going on because it really was a saving grace. And, uh, it was a saving grace in high school for me too, just so that I could find that strength and courage to press on. But I want to share this story that now we've got two decades have gone by two decades or nearly since my, that whole thing went down with my parents and, and the separation and the divorce. And, and now after two decades and of, of trying that fierce independent route and never being able to connect, never being able to click, even in that relationship, like after that eight year relationship, we tried to move in together for our season. And that was a total disaster. We moved in together for like 10 months and then we moved right back out. I mean, do you understand like how much you take people through when you do this? Right. And I'm, there's, I, I'm so glad that I can share this now without any embarrassment or shame. I share it because I know that we're in these moments and we're grasping for love. We're grasping for some sense of security. We're grasping for some sense of stability and putting our face back out there and not messing up again. And, and the second time actually was harder to break than the first time, because now I didn't want everybody to see another long-term failed relationship. And, uh, it was brutal, right? But it, it was on, off, on, off, on, off. Finally. And, you know, I think it was like 2018 or something or 2016. I don't even know when we spoke split and we went our separate ways. And you think that would be the end. You'd think that would, that would like bang, the light bulbs come on, right? Christine, some of us need to keep learning the lessons. We need to keep learning the lessons. And so I was still clinging to that fierce independence. I still was thinking, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to be in control. Me, 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 my pride, you guys, my sense of pride and those wounds that have been running, they had some serious holds. And I went through another two-year cycle of another relationship that went sideways and brought this person to work in for my business. They closed their business down to kind of merge with me and come work for me. And now I moved somebody else in with us and into the business and it just created more drama. And it was just like, I realized, oh my gosh, I have a relationship. I have a love affair with drama. I have a love affair with loss and chaos. What is going on? And I finally hit the point. I hit a breaking point right, right after my 40th birthday, I'm 47. I had a breaking point right after my 40th birthday where I was like, I am done. I will be single forever. And I know I've shared this story here, but I've, I've shared it so many times in my groups because I think you have to get to the point 
where your pride is so humbled and you are so exhausted. I was face down on the floor laying in a pool of tears and I was literally just like, I am so done. It was a perfect storm in my body, my business and my relationships, like kind of all coming to a head at once. And I'd been trying and fighting and fighting and fighting my ex and fighting this new relationship and fighting and, and I was fighting for for control and fighting for love and fighting for affection and fighting for, you know, time, quality time. And I was so tired of fighting. I was so tired of over explaining myself, over communicating, never feeling understood. And that was really the moment where I was like, you know what? I'm done. Like I'll be single forever. <laughs> I really will be single. I was finally really, really ready to humble myself, really ready to surrender all of my ways. And I remember it was like, you know, you hear about the Jesus take the wheel moment where you're just finally like, I'm going to keep crashing this thing. If I put my foot on the gas and I hold on to this steering wheel for one second longer, I'm just going to keep crashing, keep crashing. And I'm going to really do some serious damage. So I need you to step in God. I need you to step in, take control and like, I'll do whatever. And I'll be single forever if that's what it takes. And that was a season of him really getting to work on my heart. And as I started to just share what I really wanted, what I really longed for in a marriage and a relationship. And I knew that I knew that that's what I was created for. As I started to write that down and share it and pray about it and meditate on it. And I was quiet and I was like, I, I just like, I'm going to get as far away from men as possible. I need to learn how to actually have a healthy view of love. I need to understand what it means to be a woman that doesn't have to always be competing with men operating from this masculine state having a hate on for other women, a woman, what does it mean to be a woman in your eyes, God? Where, what are the, what does it mean to be a man? Cause I realized I had a horrible jaded view of men at this point in my life. I really, by this point I had so much evidence stacked. I mean, I could have written books of evidence of why you just need to like, men are just to be controlled, manipulated, discarded. They're going to leave you. They're just useless. Like I had a whole body of evidence. And I was like, God, I need a healthy view of the masculine. If I'm ever going to have a, a healthy relationship and I have a son, I had a son, right? I had daughters. I'm like, I want to, I want my children to at least see at some time in my lifetime with them, that restoration. And so God just started to really work on my heart. And the next season was a season of restoration. The next season of reclamation, reclaiming the love affair, first and foremost with the King of Kings, the one who created me and putting things in the right order. When I say restoring, it's because literally it was a season where he just took the pieces of my broken heart and I gave them all to him. Like I did not hold back. And I was like, take the million pieces. Now my heart is shattered. Like I felt like my heart was just shattered and it was, and my pride was shattered. And I just was like, I want to learn. I want to like totally start from baby. And he just took me through such a beautiful season of healing my heart, of restoring each broken piece. You think about a vase that has been broken into a million pieces. It was almost like God picked up every single one of those pieces in this process of initiation and healing and forgiveness and grace and, and started putting the pieces back together. And he gave me a heart that when he was done, was a heart that could really hold space for love. 
a heart that could see myself as the woman that he created me to be. And I started to honor and cherish my body, my physical body completely differently. I started to see myself as a woman and women around me completely differently. I started to treat the feminine completely differently, not as uh, an object of competition, not as a threat, but really it was the first time in my life where I began to see the feminine beauty, really beauty. I had to totally restructure my relationship with beauty. I had to completely restructure my relationship with the masculine to see men that were respectful, strong, loving, kind, good men, that they were actually all around me the whole time, but I was blind to them. So for those of you who are saying, you know, there's no good woman out there. There's no good men out there. Like all, everybody's like this. I'm here to tell you that's the lens that you have got going on. They're actually everywhere, but you can't see them. You can't hear them. You're actually not tuned in to those. Your wounds are got so many walls up. They're blinding you. They're keeping you deaf. They're keeping you numb. You literally are walking in a sea and you can't see uh, what's around you. And so as God started to peel away the layers and heal the wounds and open my eyes, and I started to have really great relationships, healthy relationships with the masculine, the feminine. And it was not very far after that when obviously God introduced me to my husband, Mark, when Mark came along, I met him at a Tony Robbins event. And, um, you know, it, that relationship was beautiful because it wasn't like this hot and heavy, crazy attraction, like all the other ones. There was just a piece about it. There was a piece about it and a friendship. Really, it was a friendship for a while and before it became anything else. And there was a, a sense of comfort around each other. There was never a rush to like, be like, oh my gosh, I need to see this guy again. Oh my gosh, we need to, I really let go of all of my addiction to pushing timelines, to needing to know what was going to happen, how it was going to work out. And I really did say, God, okay, fine. Like whatever. And we both did, right? He was in another country. So that relationship evolved over a series of months. And, you know, now we've been married for it'll be three years, this year will be four years. So it's, it's just, God had sent me this amazing man when I was actually ready to receive him. He sent me this amazing man when I was, had prepared my heart and my eyes. And, you know, Mark was going through his own journey. Uh, he also had gone through a divorce and he had gone through his own journey of just learning how to redefine what love is and respect himself as a man and be able to lead as the masculine and God has taken the two of us together as, as we've keep maturing, obviously we keep maturing, we keep leaning in and we we've gone through growth seasons where, Oh, some of that old programming still wants to come up and me get really independent and take charge. But we're slow. Like it's been such a beautiful learning to partner together, to really become one, to lead together, to put things back in the order that God really created us to operate in, in relationship. And I'm going to tell you that once you get that, once you start to do that, you put things back in the right order. You're going to hear me say that over and over and over again. But when you start putting things back in the right order, what I mean by right order is according to God's design. God is a God of order. He designed us to operate in structure so that there is awesome flow and favor but we want to break the order. We want to break the structure. We want to do it our own way. And then we wonder why the whole thing keeps falling down. 
There's no solid foundation. There's nothing really holding the walls up. And every time the wind blows, the whole thing blows up, right? But as we started getting things in the right order and we rebuilding on a solid foundation and every time it gets a little shaking, we're like, okay, there's something off. What is it? We both are able to humble ourselves. Thank God. Wow. What a gift humility has been in my life. Right. Um, and we're really committed to be in it together. Like we are the team we're fighting together. And I'll tell you guys, it is so freeing. It is so freeing to be in right relationship. It is so amazing to be in a relationship where you truly do feel safe, emotionally safe, physically safe. Uh, you feel held, you feel supported where you are multiplied. What I mean by that is that you feel like more of yourself, not less of yourself. Those decades, stage one, the class flirt, the crazy cowgirl, the promiscuous cowgirl, the desperate housewife, the fierce independent one that had to battle, she never felt safe. She always was a prisoner to the other person's opinions or had to get one step ahead, prisoner to the game. There was always games, prisoner to the drama, to be on this other side and feel so safe, so held, so supported and multiply where you come in and you're like, man, every time I come around you, I feel like more of myself. Like you just bring out, really bring out the best in me. And I bring out the best in you. And then as we do that, the more that we're together and we're committed to the oneness, the more each of us flourishes, right? It's like the oak tree gets bigger. Like it's just so much more solid and more and more and more of us come up to the surface. And that means more gifts. That means more talents. That means more of our skills we're put in together, more words of life. We, we speak over each other, more power together as a couple. And I, as a woman, I'm just going to speak this from the woman's perspective. I, I have awakened a really, I, I haven't awakened. What's been awakened in me is a really nurturing energy. I've always been loving and caring, but really a desire to, to nurture from a place of feeling relaxed, not this frenetic, I, we got to do things. We got to do things. Let's go, go, go. Of course we all love our babies. Of course we all love our kids and our husbands. But I went from being like this busy body needing to do, 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 do for everybody else to really like, it feels amazing to actually just nurture the people that we've been interested to, to, you know, parent, to be married to. And it's such a life giving place. So as I kind of close out this, this season, I know it was a longer episode today, but love is a big one. I want to end where I started, you know, today I'm on the other side. And I'm so excited about what God is going to do in our life, what God's going to do in our marriage. I'm already seeing, like, it is crazy. When we look back and we're like, wow, even in the last five years, what God has done in our life, four years, um, it's wild. The last four years, what God has done in our life. It's so incredible to witness and see just how much uh, has taken place. And uh, I just want to encourage those of you, regardless of where you're at, maybe you feel like, oh man, I feel like I'm in stage one. You know, I call those stages. They were my stages of development, my stage of maturing and growth. God is always there. You know, the healing is always available. The restoration, the reclamation, the getting things in the right order, it's always available. It's just us getting in the way. It's just our pride saying, no, I don't want anyone to know. I don't want to fail again. I got to dig in and I got to, you know, I got to figure it out myself. I, and, and it's me, 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 and I, 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 and it's efforting and striving and it's never going to work. So 
as I leave you guys today, there's a beautiful story here of what's available for you when you really humble yourself, when you surrender, when you say you, you really pour your heart on the table and you say, I'm, I'm done doing it my way. Uh, maybe you're in a marriage and you guys have been struggling and you've been fighting and you've been at odds and, you know, a, a great marriage, a marriage will be renewed and restored. And I do support couples right now in rebuilding their marriages because I, and I always start with this, it's going to require a death of the old. It doesn't mean you have to get divorced, but your old relationship dynamic has to die off. The old dynamic, the atmosphere that the two of you had, you have to be fully committed all in to saying, God, we are doing a new thing here. Make me a new woman, make him a new man, give us a new marriage. And we are not looking backwards, but we're going to start building on solid ground. If you can get to that place, man, it is like phew, anything is possible. So just imagine coming back to the place where there's safety, finding the place, discovering the place, creating the place where there's safety, where there's a different level of security, not only in each other, but really because you're both dependent on God and you have solid foundations where there is life and multiplication in your marriage and God is using you together in a powerful way, like that is available to every one of you. And after everything that I've gone through, I'm standing here as evidence that it is so. I have so much peace in my heart and I have no doubt in my mind that this is really what all of us are designed for. The question is not if we're designed for it, it's will we wake up and say yes to what we've been designed for. So if you're feeling like a confused lover, like maybe I don't even know what love looks like anymore. It's one of the first questions I ask people, tell me what love means to you. It is wild how many of us do not know the answer to that question. What the answer often is, is a feeling instead of a state. Start thinking about that. If you feel like you've had distorted love affairs with love, with affection, with sex, right? It's like, I have a dysfunctional relationship with sex, with love, with affairs. There's been betrayal. I mean, that was the story of my life. Just a revolving door. And I'm going to tell you that God had removed that. And like, I, I, I swear to you, like, it's so beautiful to look at my husband and say, I only, I really only have eyes for my husband. I'm all in. There's no door open in the front. There's no door open in the back. There's no one foot in, one foot out. Like I'm here, I'm in it. If you have been living a life of lies and affairs and promiscuity, and you've been seeking real love, I want you to lean in to press into this conversation today and know that it is here and it is available, but love is learned and it is observed. And if you want to receive love, you've got to learn from the one who is love, who created love. That means you got to spend time with love. God is love. Jesus is love. You've got to get to know your own heart and you got to get back into the truth. Show me what it means to be a man. Show me what it means to be a woman and hold hands and surrender, surrender, surrender your ways to his ways. I want to thank you guys for being here today. I'm going to be talking a lot more about relationships, breaking the chains of all the things. I mean, I could have talked for days about this subject and the broken communication, right? The broken operating systems of competition, the the broken financial systems we used to run in those kind of relationships when there's no trust and there's no oneness. Um, 
And I will, I'll talk about all that stuff. But if you guys want to lean in and press into this work, you can always apply to work with me. We have a coaching container, a community, the roundtable community of men and women that are committed to building thriving relationships, heart-centered, God-driven missions to really rising as powerful co-creators in a world of chaos to be the ones that do things different. You can click on the link there. You can always learn more about those programs, or at least we can move you in the right direction. We have a beautiful community of women as well. So you guys, if you want to learn more about those programs, click on the link below, make sure you get connected. And if you haven't done so already, take a moment to please subscribe and leave a review on this channel. It really makes a huge difference. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being part of this conversation and just allowing me to share my story. Uh, it's so powerful. I never, I'm sharing things I never thought I would let escape my mouth. So you guys, thank you. Until next time, here's to loving fiercely, leading courageously. Bye for now. Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute right now to subscribe and review. Your five-star review goes so far in getting this message into the ears and hearts of the people who need to receive it. Thank you again for being part of this conversation. Have a beautiful, blessed, and prosperous day.